Now, it's the <laughs> Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. That sounds like a good place to spend a few years. What do you think, Lieutenant Governor? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I'm with Nick on that one. And <laughs> I have to tell you, I have to be careful I phrase this right. I have visited... Nice. Um, our correctional facilities, because I always feel the best way to understand it and, yeah. and learn about it is to go and see it, right? Uh-huh. Did you ever go Before, to that one? Uh, I have not been to that well, one. Well, this one seems right up your alley. How well, much? well, so to speak. There you go. What did, they, what, what did you get, like for? five to six months or what was it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I have been to Lee County Correctional, which is our maximum security prison. First of all, I have to give a big shout out to Brian Sterling. He's done a great job. You know, we have the lowest recidivism rate in the country. I mean, no, nobody talks about that, but we do. Well, that, we do a that lot. says something about the warden, I'll tell you that. We we do a <laughs> lot to make sure that we skill up these people. And, you know, I didn't think about this until I became lieutenant governor and sat down with Director Sterling. And he said, listen, when people commit crimes, they're in there for three to five years, two years, whatever they're in for, right? Mm-hmm. He says, we could either throw them in, lock them up, and never talk to them, speak to them, or we could use the time that they have to be there and try to skill them up. So when they come out, they're not worse than when they came in, because when they come out, they're walking down the street with your kids and my kids, and they're sitting, uh, you know, in restaurants next to our parents, Mm -hmm. and we we have to do something. And so he has done a good job, and businesses have done a great job partnering with them. But I'll tell you, it is the most sobering thing to walk into one of those correction facilities Mm-hmm. And I knew I was leaving. Like, like in an yeah. hour or two, I'm yeah. gone. But yeah. when that gate closes behind you and you just hear that, mm-hmm. you're just like, this has gotten real, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't think for for love nor money would I be going to prison. Yeah. Right? So well, I'm and just... so did uh, a lot of the people who kind of walked around the Capitol on January 6th. Well, yeah. <laughs> They didn't exactly. think they were going to go to prison either. And um, some of them are wallowing there waiting for some trial that is absolutely probably ridiculous. But well, and I think now we we taught we tune into what is going to happen next year with our elections. Right. Mm-hmm. If that isn't the number one motivator. And, you know, I say it all the time. We have got to get people out voting. The lack of interest in voting. Is it, 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 it's just there's never been a time where you should get off your duff and get out there and cast your vote because we we can see what is happening. I mean, we have a president in office that is a global disgrace, right? He just embarrassed us on the world stage yet again. Um, he basically thumbed his nose up at 9 mm-hmm. um, 11. I, I mean, all these, all these things is like, People talk to your kids, like make them understand that the stuff they're getting on their social media feed, a lot of it's propaganda and it's not real news and it's designed to suck them in and it's not to our side. And so that kind of education has got to start at home. I was just looking at a post-Mammoth poll of 506 potential GOP primary voters in South Carolina, and it found that 46 percent of uh, potential Republican primary voters support Trump and only 18 percent support the former governor, Nikki Haley, 10 percent support uh, Senator Tim Scott. 
What do you make of that? Like, why do you think that Trump is more popular than the former governor? I think what what people are seeing that I'm talking to, what they're saying, is we're really genuinely afraid now. We have an open border. We have a flood of people coming in our country. We don't know who they are. We have a world that seems to be little by little turning against us. And we need somebody that has a resume that can be boots on the ground on day one and know what to do. Well, he's definitely the the most experienced in the crowd (laughs) because he's actually done it. And shouldn't we be looking at that when we elect our leader? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I feel like we just, you know, somebody comes and talks to us and we're like, okay, that's it. But look at their resume. Are, is their resume good for the job? And, and I believe in part, that is what President Trump people are looking at. They're looking at his resume. They're looking what he did. I mean, can you imagine he left a legacy of the Supreme Court? That is huge. Look at the, the, what they have done to right the ship the best they could, right? You know, affirmative action, stopping them from all of us paying off student loan debts. For you know, people you know all over the country that don't want to pay their student loan debt, the Dobbs decision, you know, the overreach of the federal government, the, the bureaucrats—they stop that. Mm-hmm. You know, saying you know, if you're a bureaucrat, you can't come in and make laws that encroach. Right? We we're seeing that. So, I mean, that's his legacy. That's what we need to look at when we're looking at what is going to happen and who can come in and fix all this and. You know, the president is going to be here. I don't know if you saw the release. He is coming to South Carolina on September 25th. Okay. Um, and so he'll be... He'll Where be is he with, going? He'll be in um, Charleston. Mm-hmm. He'll be with Sportsman Boats. We'll be uh, rolling out our, uh, our business uh, coalition that stands behind the president. And it's... Um, I'm sure we'll hear some words about what he thinks he's going to do to turn everything around once he gets put into office. We're speaking with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evid. Uh, Do you have any questions for Trump or if you have a chance to speak with him? Do you have something that you want to say or get on his radar? So when he was here the last time for the Silver Elephant, we had some time to chat. And really what I was telling him is just how much we're praying for him and his family. Mm Mm-hmm. And thanking him, because I really don't know anybody that has the tenacity that he does to keep moving forward. You know, there are a lot of really good qualified people that would have just said, I'm out. Like, this is, you know, this has gotten to be too much. They've gone after my family. They've gone after my businesses. They're trying to imprison me. Like, you know, I'm out. But he doesn't. And so I just thank him for that, you know, because. He's he's got a backbone in the spirit like I've never seen. Were you at the decoding conference or meeting yesterday or something? I was. So I that heard was that you right were. Here. Yeah, yeah. I was in here. It was here in North Myrtle Beach, and um, a lot of great things. You know, we're really trying to talk about how we get kids. We, you and I, talk about all the time steam and STEM, right? How do we get them? Uh, involved in, in STEM. And so that decoding conference uh, yesterday was kind of on the business side of it is what are we doing as businesses? How are we taking down barriers to get more people skilled up? 
but the day before on Tuesday they had they had students in there talking about job opportunities and we had Kristen from the Department of Defense uh, you know, she was kind of talking about their woes as the private sector continues to ramp up with benefits and pay gets harder and harder um, to bring people into government. But she said they really attract a lot of veterans who still have that heart to serve and want to be doing cool stuff when it comes to intelligence and national intelligence. And so she was talking about the careers in that. And we, again, talking about how we get our kids excited mm-hmm. about going into coding and explaining the opportunities for them. So it was a great conference. Thank you to USC. Uh, they were a big sponsor of that. And our Career Builder Institute and Denmark College doing great things. Um, I saw an article posted yesterday that the governor has been touting the Technical College Scholarship Program um, that helps thirty-two that has helped 32,000 students participate in some sort of training for high-demand jobs. Uh, Do you want to talk about that? That's from the COVID relief funds? So that was the, some of the, the the first tranche of money came from the GEARS funding. Uh Uh-huh. And the governor put that in. And then he and our executive budget has been going to the General Assembly and asking for money every year. So far, we put $75 million into that program. And it skill bases up in fields that we know we have a deficit in workers. So this is not, you can just pick whatever you want to do. This is, you have to go into one of five careers. It's ho- it's hosted through our technical colleges and it really is skilling people up. You know, people who have been stuck in that, you know, entry level position that feel like they're stifled there because they don't have certifications and they don't have degrees. We want to make sure we're moving them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what this has done. It has given life-changing opportunities to, you know, thousands of South Carolinians. And, you know, you guys have a great technical college here. Ori Georgetown Tech does such wonderful work. So anybody that feels like, hey, I was kind of young and I wasn't thinking straight mm-hmm. and I didn't take the opportunities of getting you know, into a trade or getting a degree, Know that we're there for you. This program is there for you. And reach out through our technical college. You can reach out through DO. DO, our Department of Workforce, can help put you in a direction on that. But, yes, the governor and I, we have to have the workers of tomorrow. We yeah. have to have people that can support themselves. Actually, that feel good. we have... Um... We have an, uh, a segment every Thursday morning at 9.05 with the Ori Georgetown Home Builders Association. We call it Talk and Trades, um, which is really just about that, getting those education uh, pieces in place for people and what the Home Builders Association does uh, to be part of the solution. So that that actually we have coming up at 9. We do that every Thursday. And I'm just had a meeting with the Myrtle Beach Regional Economic Development Corporation. I met with Sandra James yesterday to talk about uh, doing something on the show as well, uh, because, you know, we try to be part of a solution here, whatever the problem may be. And um, one of them is, you know, just connecting people with the right, with with the jobs. Um, it seems that, you know, the reality of the situation is there are a lot of qualified people and they just send their resumes online and never hear. And, and it's very frustrating to be looking for a job. It's, it's very frustrating. Well, all we hear is that, oh, there's all these job openings and we can't find any good people. And people are applying and it's like banging your head against the wall. And I, I don't know where the disconnect is. 
So um, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And I think what you're seeing is I've sat down with companies and have talked about that and have said, you know, everybody's saying I can hire 20 people today, but yet I'm hearing other people (laughs) saying they can't find a job. Uh And a lot of that, what they're, you know, initially we started putting online applications in place and businesses are now going through and, you know, what was happening is let's say, Liz, you, you had, they wanted three years of experience and you had two years and 10 months. Mm-hmm. When you program three years of experience into a software, right, that t- that that is going to like move applicants forward or stop them, they realize that there was a lot of people getting lost in the shuffle. And so you're seeing kind of uh, like a restructuring of how they do that to mm-hmm. where they're putting human okay. eyes on a lot of that so that they can they can find the qualified people that may be slipping through the cracks. Um, and then it, it is skill-based, right? That's why these scholarships are so important. Yeah, I'll, I'm heading to Germany on Saturday on an economic trade mission with lieutenant governors. And that's some of the things, you know, Germany, when you, when you speak um, to like German companies, they look at education and certification um, a lot differently than mm-hmm. we do. We are moving in that direction. A lot so of companies do it themselves. Like you go to their own college or their own tech school. And life, lifetime learning, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, here for so long, Liz, we've looked at you go to high school and you get a diploma. Then you go to technical college, you get a diploma, and that's where it stops. Or you go to four-year degree and that's where it stops. You go to work. Well, in other countries, they look at this as like lifetime learning. And you're starting to see that where people are getting recertified. So if you're a computer science engineer, you continue to go back to be updated and certified on the latest and greatest. So you can keep growing and evolving mm-hmm. in your career. Yeah. So we're starting to see more of that here. And and that's what keeps people moving forward and propelling in, you know, in their jobs. And so that's why when, when, when you're applying and applying and you're not getting a response, reach out to the Department of Workforce. They have people there willing to, to sit with you, look at your resume. Figure out where you're falling short mm-hmm. and getting you involved in these great companies. We have a lot of programs. You hear me talk about it all the time. The biggest problem is so many people don't know that they exist. Yeah. And so they get frustrated and beat their head on a wall. That's so that's the, that's so the organization, do Department of, Ec- of Employment and Workforce. Exactly. Okay. They have they have a they have people there ready and willing to help right. put people in with careers. So much mm-hmm. so that they're doing mobile job fairs. Yeah. I, I just want to switch gears because I have two really important things to ask you. And we have a question on the text line and we're almost out of time. We're speaking <laughs> at, to Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to ask was the bill that the governor signed regarding a uh, statewide plan to combat Alzheimer's disease. What is that about? So making sure that we are on top of everything research-wise and that we're getting the resources we need into the right places to figure out how we help not just people suffering from Alzheimer's, but really caregivers also. Because, you know, statistics show that caregivers, you know, are are some of the hardest impacted by this, right? Because either they have to quit their jobs to help a loved one, or there is, they have to put them in a facility that a lot of times puts a big financial drain on them. So a lot of times it's, what am I going to do? How do we afford to help 
the loved one that we have. Mm-hmm. And so what that was doing is, it, you know, bringing resources in to offset the aging to really put a focus on, on doing a study, like what are we doing? Where can we best utilize our resources and how do we help the caregivers? Okay. And as South Carolina, as our population continues to get older, we have to be forward thinking in this, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of baby boomers <laughs> and, and we, we live in a beautiful part of the country where a lot of people are looking to retire. And mm-hmm. so that is going to, it's something that our state is going to have to address. So again, a real forward thinking initiative. And the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, was Governor McMaster uh, talked about uh, that there will not be any mandates for masks or uh, vaccines. Uh, they will not close schools. We will not lock down. So has the word non-essential businesses been eradicated from his vocabulary? Won't be shutting so, those down this time? So we, we, you know, the governor, just as I was, was very careful in not calling businesses essential or non-essential. I think if you really look back, you'll never see uh, him say No, that. it's in the executive order. Well, he was very clear on, and I would have to pull the executive order, so I'm not going to. Well, I read like, it on the, it. I read it on the air. So okay. yeah, there's a list of essential and then there's a list of non-essential. He, they categorized it when they were looking at businesses of high touch businesses where when initially COVID rolled around and touch was the big thing. It was what, and that, that was what we were hearing from the experts at the time, that this was being transmitted through contact, through touch. That's what was looked at when it was like, okay, where are we in these high touch businesses? How do we keep people moving to try to do the least amount of impact? But the governor was very clear that this is something we have all learned from, Mm -hmm. right? We, We now are not in the dark days of what is this, where did it come from? How is it being transmitted? And so I'm glad he put a lot of people's fears to rest because as we were. Yeah, they don't want to go through that again. That's for sure. Yeah. And so, and so I'm glad that the statement is out. I think it did make people feel better that we know um, closing the schools. We now have years of data that say children were not affected by this. Um, And we, what hurt them the most was not being in the classroom, not being with their friends and not learning. And so he he made very clear his intentions here in South Carolina. And so I, I, I'm very happy where we are, and I'm happy that we're not in a blue state that is once again apparently thinking about going through some new wave of COVID close-up. Well, I'm, I'm also kind of happy that someone is, uh, you know, actually paying attention to real science, which... A lot of us knew about long before executive orders came, you know, came to be, you know, I mean, that these uh, these were things that people were shouting from the rooftops. But everyone wanted to believe some kind of voodoo science about how viruses actually infect people. You know, I well, mean, it's kind of funny that they thought masks would stop it. I mean, they, sh- they should have known better at DHEC. I mean, it makes me question everything else that they put out when they can't even determine how a virus is is transmitted. Isn't that a little weird? Well, and, and, and Liz, if we go all the way back to the beginning, mm-hmm. nobody knew exactly what we were dealing with. We didn't know what kind of virus it was. Well, a virus we is a virus. Man-made. Everybody knows a virus is a virus. I and mean, it still may be man-made. We still don't know. <laughs> exactly. But, but so. I think there was, and, and there was such, 
uh, a hint of panic around what was happening because mm-hmm. we did see a lot of people dying in the beginning. We saw people. Well, that was because the protocol was wrong. Exactly. But again, we didn't really know what we were dealing with in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it always, you know, we, we've talked about it before and I've said it a hundred times. We took the most measured approach. I mean, we were the I think last. That we thing. knew. I just think there were a lot of people in charge that were telling the wrong story. I think it, we need it, to come to terms with the fact that people were lying to take control over elections and take control over people's lives. Schools. I think we have to really be honest. Well, I guess I guess you'd have to point. You you can't lump I need everybody. Evidence. Yeah, you can't, we you can't lump everybody. You can't lump everybody into that category. I think some people were doing what they thought was best with the information they had at the time, and mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with power. Do do I think that some people are nefarious? I think that has been that way since the beginning of time. Well, but I don't think we can lump everybody. What do you think about people talk? Positive. What do you think about people saying now that we should be wearing masks and and social distancing and talking about all this? Again? Yeah, they're doing they're it doing in New it, York they're right doing now. It again, I mean, yep. I mean, don't we believe in the science now? I mean, it's and just unbelievable. It's how it's on. It's like on a loop. <laughs> Nobody's questioning I, it. And I believe in free will. And so the people that are in those states are allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. Go flash, for, flash, flash forward into 23, you'd be hard-pressed to go up to anybody and say, I think you need to wear a mask, because they're going to say no. Yeah. Well, the problem we comes, were getting arrested in South Carolina when you told a restaurant owner no. It happened at Hamburger the, Joe's. Yep. The, the problem we have is when the when the federal government, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can look across the globe. Or the people Surfside worrying Beach. About flying, <laughs> people worrying about TSA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you, you had that attorney on. At what point will people be inconvenienced by saying no, right? Mm-hmm. If we have to get to see your, you know, your, your child who's sick or your, your parent that could be dying and you need to get on a plane and they're stopping you, at what point are we all willing to? Stop and say enough is enough. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you and I talked about it when you're mm-hmm. when you're when the employer said you have to do this and you don't want to. At what point do you say enough is enough? And when everybody says enough is enough, you, you have change. to get fired and sue them. That's what you have to do. <laughs> That's and basically it. We've so learned that the hard way. At what at what point is everybody going to say enough is enough? If yeah. in New York they are feeling that this is what they have to do. All I can say is in South Carolina, I don't foresee anybody doing that. Yeah. It's 2023. Mm. We, we, we have data. I hope you're right. Hey, Lieutenant Governor, right. I know that the governor mentioned masks and lockdowns and forced closures and all that. That's not part of his plan. What about the jabs? That's not ever going to be something that's going to be included? No forcing of the jabs? The governor, governor never. Right. I'm just wondering with this new that. vaccine. Yeah. That's, no, but, okay. no, but she, she, they can't control what private entities. Right, right, do. right, right, that's, right. So that's, yeah, but that's what, the problem. What the, what the governor could always control, and they always did, is government, right? Mm-hmm. That was never mandated yeah. on, any, on, on anything that we had control. That's why the over. hospitals have such a shortage of people working for them. 
I mean, because you go there and you may have to get a jab. I mean, who knows what they're going to require? So many people regret staying, but a lot of people have left. They, ha- you know, it's it's it, we're we're in dire straits here with nursing. If you go through any of the job boards, it's just nurse, 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 nurse. nurse. I mean, they're just dying for people uh, to to join. Hey, yeah, they they keep calling my <laughs> wife. They want her back. <laughs> yeah. and she's like, I'm not going back to no, your institution because they they make you get a vaccine. Yep. So it's ridiculous. You know. It- and, and I think too, we have two issues when it comes to a lot of our a lot of our professions that are low staffed right now. Is like with nursing, we have a lot of people in the pipeline that would like to be a nurse, but we don't have people to teach it. Oh, God. you know, that's, that's what wages are getting. Wages are wages are very good. Who knew that? So was a problem. people that are in the profession are not really leaving it. So when you talk to our technical college and you talk to mm-hmm. nursing programs. When you talk to try, you know, trying to school up electricians and mm-hmm. carpenters yeah. and builders, that becomes the hard thing yeah. is people, they have no one to teach this. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that's, that's the other thing. That's why the governor actually put, gave more money to our technical colleges to raise yeah. wages for, for those professions that we know we have to entice people who are kind of sitting on the fence, like I'm making good money. I'm not sure I want to leave. Because we have to skill everybody up. We have a pipeline list. The problem is it's it's getting it's getting bogged down. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, thank you for staying extra time, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evitt. Uh, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. You take care. Have a great week. All right.